0: Hello, this is Anthony with Be the Gospel. Thank you for joining us for Heal the Sick by T.L. Osborne. We're just going to be going through the book, pointing out some things, some principles, sharing some testimonies of what God's done in my life as a result of this book. It's been absolutely transformational. And often people read this book and they tell me they've read it, but they haven't seen the results or or necessarily the the things we've seen would be the gospel. And it's not because we're special. It's not because of anything else. It's just, I took the time to go back and look at every claim that Brother T.L. makes, okay? So he will say something and I go back and I qualify it because he doesn't do that here. You can tell from the book that it's basically his study notes. So he's making claims, but he never goes back and substantiates these claims. And so what I've done is I've gone back and I've substantiated, substantiated these claims, a little tongue tied there. And and in it, that's basically how I created my manual. So I went back and I, I went piece by piece, scripture by scripture, Showing exactly what scripture says and placing my confidence, not in what Brother T.L. is saying, but my confidence in God's word and what he says. See, it's a complete difference. So what's really interesting is what he exposes and what he lays out is is answering, even to this day, many questions that the church has. Many, many questions. Right. And so let's go ahead and start in chapter one. It says, how many will God heal? Well, in Exodus 23, 25 and 26, it says, I will take sickness away from you. So that's a promise that God has made. And this is the number of your days will fulfill. I will fulfill. So God is saying he's going to fulfill all the days of your life and it's not going to be cut off by sickness. Now, that's something to rejoice about because we can see in the church, in the history of the church that many things are going on in the church that are l- letting b- our brothers and sisters die of sickness because of bad theology, because they believe that it's God's will. And there's many things, many faults there that we're going to be exposing as we go through this book, okay? So let's look at the next verse, Exodus fifteen twenty six, And we're just looking at the very last segment of, of verse 26. It says, I am the Lord who heals. So here God is revealing his nature. He's revealing his character. He's he's revealing the essence of who he is with the Israelites. And this is absolutely amazing. It's a place of total intimacy. And then he heals them, right? And so it says here, and I'm going to read the sections. I'm going to read the scriptures. um, Just follow along in the book if you have it. If not, feel free to listen, okay? Okay, so it says, Until you are fully convinced that God wants you to, to be well, There will always be doubt in your mind as to whether or not you will be healed. As long as there is that doubt in your, in your mind, perfect faith cannot exist. Until faith is exercised without doubt or wavering, you may never be healed. Now, this is interesting, right? Um, so he quotes uh, Hebrews eleven six: Without faith, it is impossible to please him. For they that come to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And then we also have James 1, 6 and 7. And, but let them ask in faith, nothing wavering, for they that waver are like a wave of the sea, driven from the, driven with the wind and tossed. For let not those who waver think they shall receive anything of the Lord. So here, basically, what is he's establishing? Is that if you have doubt when you pray for yourself or for someone else that they will not be healed, that it, it will it won't happen and it may never happen. And so a lot of the churches that we find today in, in in the body of Christ, should I say, as a whole, many people have that question is it the will of God to heal every person? Is it is it God's will to to heal every situation? And so this is basically what the book is talking about. And is that it's always God's will. And so the principle is if you are sick, God wants to heal you. Period. That simple, that straightforward, that easy. It says once once people are fully convinced that God wants to heal them and that He is not it, it is not God's will for them to be sick, they almost always receive healing when prayed for, if not before. Now, God's will concerning sickness provide provides the ground on which perfect faith, which faith remember faith is trust, which perfect trust can act. Because you have the promise of God. And as you have the promise of God, you can believe it, right? Because he's not a liar. He's completely honest. And if he's saying something, you can grab hold of that promise, trust in it, and it becomes to fulfillment. It's that simple. So next section. Surprise, surprise, says God is honest. To one puzzled about trust, it says faith here, trust, who said to me, I can't seem to get faith to be healed. And I asked, have you confidence that God will keep his promise to you? Because it's basically what it's boiling down to, right? Oh, yes, she confirmed. That is faith. That is trust. And I assured her, then added, isn't it simple? And she was healed. So Numbers 23, 19, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent, as he said and shouted has he said, and shall he not do it? So it's saying that God's not going to mislead you. He's not going to lie. He's not going to dangle a carrot in front of your face, trying to just get you to the next step, you know, and never giving you what he promised. No, if he promises something, he fulfills it. He does it. Or if he's spoken something, shall he not make good on it? And this is talking about the very nature of God, the character of God. And so the next verse says, First Kings eight fifty six, and says, there has not failed one word of all his good promise. Psalms 188, 89. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. And then we have um, many other verses, but it says, I will hasten my word to perform it. That w- word hasten means to watch over, to look over, like to patrol, to protect, to watch, to stand behind. In all his his unlimited power, God is standing behind his word to accomplish it. Believe that. So if we just take that logic, if we, we take the time to digest what this section just said, it makes a huge difference because we begin to see that God is on your side. He's made a promise to you. He's spoken something that he's so confident in that he had it written down for your benefit so that you can read his word, grab hold of it, and believe it, trust in it, trust in him, and it comes to pass. Okay? So here we have the next one. There's no reason for doubting God. (laughs) Absolutely zero reason. He's perfect. He cannot lie. It says it's impossible for him to lie, right? So there's absolutely no reason to doubt God. Not one. And so we also have a quote here by F.F. Bosworth. And F.F. Bosworth said, don't doubt God. If you must doubt something, doubt your doubts because they are unreliable, but never doubt God nor his word. And we move on to D.L. Moody. He says, is there any reason why you should not have trust in God? Has God ever broken one of his promises? I defy any infidel or unbeliever to place a finger on a single promise God ever made and failed to fulfill. See, Satan is the liar. And Jesus said so. I can open the book and show you how for 6,000 years, Satan has lied to people telling them that God's word is not true. And the devil has denied God's word and promises people everything, but has broken every promise he has ever made. So this is important, right? Because here we have, he's been talking about not doubting God, but trusting God. And so he gives this track record of God of fulfilling promises. And we could even go to Deuteronomy 28, that God fulfills his promise even to a thousand generations. This is the blessing of God, the goodness of God. This is who he is, right? And here it begins to talk about the very nature of Satan, of the devil, right? That he's made many promises and he's broken them all. And so it's like, you can't trust the devil. You can't trust what he's telling you because he doesn't even believe what he's telling you. He's telling you to get you to doubt what God has already said, what God has already promised, what God is saying about himself. Because as soon as you realize that what God is saying about himself is true, then it changes everything. And it's simple. It's so simple. That's basically all God's asking for is for us to absolutely trust him. And we can trust his word only because we can trust him. Because we can trust his nature. We can trust his character. If we couldn't trust either one of those things, it doesn't matter what he promised. We wouldn't be able to trust him because his character and nature would go against what he spoke. And that's what we find in the devil. That his nature and his character go completely against what he shares, what he promises. And that's why he can't fulfill any promise. We're in the next section. Three million healed. God announced himself to be healer of his people with these words, I am the Lord who heals you. He spoke these words to about 3,000 people. Everyone, um, every one of them believed God's words were true. The result, everyone who every one of them who needed healing was made perfectly whole. We are told God brought them forth, and there was not a feasible person among their tribe. Psalms 105:37. Can you imagine? Three million people, all well all strong and not one feeble, not one weak and not one sick out of three million people. That's that's a great, amazing point. Right. And so if that were true in Israel under the law, isn't it much, much more true for you who have been redeemed by the by the blood of God's lamb and are living under grace, mercy and truth. Let this become settled truth that you know, as well as You know, two plus two is four. Healing is for you. All may be healed. And so the point is, is he's talking about the Israelites, right? That as they were exiting Egypt, there was nothing wrong with them. They were strong. They were healthy. And there was none who were weak out of everyone. Even the grandpas and the grandmas and and everyone, they were not weak. They were very strong. And so here it says, theological, next section, theological traditions hinder. He says, It is God's will for every individual to be strong and well. When when his conditions are met and his word is believed, if there is a justified maybe in your case, then there are then we are compelled to apply a maybe in every case because God is no respecter of persons. If God will heal anyone, he will heal you. So what it's saying is Hey, if if we say that there's a maybe for one person, we have to use that as a maybe God will heal you for every single person because God is no respecter of persons. What he does for one person, he does for everyone. In the world today, disease and sickness are claiming a terrible toll of human lives. In spite of the fact that medical science is demonstrating its greatest achievements, disease persists to ravage human lives all over the world. This is still true today. He wrote, he put this book together, I think in the 1974, something like that. And everything that's here is still true today. We've had huge medical advances, but yet many people are dying of sickness and disease like never before. And so he continues on. The tragedy is that these sicknesses and diseases affect the bodies of thousands of Christians, probably millions of Christians, right? While preachers and teachers influenced by theological traditions often stand by with little more than words of sympathy and pity, assuring the sufferer that it must be God's will, that it will work out for our best, that God is teaching the patient some lesson in humility, that possibly it is God's chastisement, or that by, by it, the sick person is being drawn closer to him who often works his will in our lives through sickness. And so, He's bringing us up and he's about to answer some things, Um, so I'll let him do that first and then I will respond. It says, Christians need never be sick any more than they need to be sinful. It is always God's desire to heal you. Why is disease such a a persistent enemy? So how is it that sickness has been able to take such a toll among Christians today? In the Old Testament, three million of God's people believed his heard, word when it was spoken and everyone was completely healed. Everyone who looked at the bronze serpent, it, they were instantly healed. It says they did not die. They were bit by a by a fiery serpent, which means a, a, a venomous serpent. And the reason they call it fiery is because when the poison enters your veins, it's like it's burning. And as soon as they looked at the bronze serpent on the pole, it all left and the poison left their body. Or it just turned into water and it had no other mal effect on the body at all. Isn't that amazing? So going back to the section about tragedy is, the tragedy is that sickness and disease affect the body of thousands of Christians. So when we look at this, Brother Osborne is, is making several statements. He's, he's pointing out several issues that we find in the body of Christ today. And because they're there, you will see that it is very messed up. It's, it's, it's completely jacked <laughs> of what the enemy is doing to the church. And it's very important that we go back and we see what is actually being stated and what is actually going on. See, because what is going on is the fact that the devil has convinced the church, has convinced its leaders that, hey, this is the will of God. Right. Because if you think that it's God and not the devil, not your enemy, that you think it's a loving God who's doing this to you, then you don't fight it off. You don't resist it. Why? Because you think that it's God talking to you. He's communicating to you. He's drawing you closer to Him. He's He's making you better. He's teaching you a lesson. He's testing you through this. All of these are blatant lies that go against the Word of God. And this is why it's important that we listen. We do our own study. We go through the Word of God so we know exactly what He says compared to what we've taught. And it's so important. It's so key that we go back to Scripture and we verify everything, everything that's said, everything that is being communicated. So let's let's look at the last, last section of this chapter, and we'll go ahead and finish for this 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 time. It says three million believed. The only reason the, those three million Israelites became well and strong was that they believed what God said. I'm the Lord who heals you. That was said to them and they believed it. The only reason disease takes such a toll among Christians today is that many do not believe what God has spoken. They do not they they know that God said, "I am the Lord who heals you." Somehow they have failed to believe that he meant what he said, which is basically that Satan's, what Satan said to Adam and Eve, God did not mean what he said, influenced by traditions and people have changed God's I am to I was. If under the old covenant, three million of God's people could be well at one time, then how much more may God's people be well today who are living under the new covenant of mercy, grace, truth, established on better promises with a better priesthood, than him with um, through a much more excellent ministry. See, and this is what's so interesting. It's it's something that he's pointing out is, is the enemy comes in and he accuses the very nature of God. He accuses the very character of God. God is not completely good. He's using sickness to teach you something. Really? Really? Find me one scripture that says that God uses sickness to teach you something. Because if you can find that one scripture, then you're saying that the Holy Spirit is sickness because it says the Holy Spirit teaches you all things, right? So if you're saying that sickness is of God and sickness is teaching you something, you are equating sickness to the Holy Spirit, and that is blasphemy. So that's something just to think about just to end today, okay? (laughs) And so when you go through it, you look at what scripture actually says, what God is saying about himself instead of... Oh, this is what I heard. This is what has been taught to me. You know, they use scriptures, right? But a lot of the times, if you listen intently, you will see they give you a lot of opinion. Opinion cannot be substantiated, okay? But when you go back and you see exactly what scripture says, that's what's important. That's what's key. That's what you have to pay attention to. So I hope you enjoyed the first chapter. There's much more to come. There's a lot of insights in everything in this. I know I didn't share uh, any testimonies this time, but it's so good. It's so deep in many levels, in many ways that we just need to take time, digest, think it through, pray about it, go back to scripture, study it for yourself. Look at these things. So this first chapter is kind of like an introductory. So you can see basically how we're going to be approaching this and how we're going to go chapter by chapter. And so as we go chapter by chapter, you're going to see that is absolutely amazing how simple God's made it in the new covenant to see people healed 100% of the time because it's not you it's not something you have to do it's something he's already done and he just wants to flow through you to see it happen that's why it's so beautiful so if you'd like to keep supporting our ministry you can go to be the gospel.com uh, just click on the give tab and it'll take you to a place um, everything goes towards you know um, taking care of ministry taking care of uh, the staff and our team and so that we can focus on what's important. Right now, I'm working on several major manuals. I'm already over 100 pages and just updating the new manual um, of God is Healer. And with it, I haven't even even added in or touched the sacred cows or anything like that. I'm, I'm giving a lot of personal insights and examples and testimonies and, and everything um, in the first 120 pages. And so, it's just been very amazing and, and very humbling what God has been teaching us and sharing with us as we just trust Him and walk with Him, that there's no formula, there's no method, there's no right method. It's just simply relationship with God, and He does the rest. And so as we go through this book, Heal, uh, Heal the Sick by Teal Osborne, you're going to see that that's what He's pointing to. That's what He's directing people to. And that's why He shared this living classic, so that people can grab hold of this and it become a reality in their lives. And so that's my my heart for you. That's my goal for you. That as we go through these over the next, you know, I think there's 50 um, something chapters. That each day you can grab hold of it and cherish it and just talk with God about it and, and really dive into it. And as you do, you're going to see that you will not be sorry. You will not be shaken anymore by the devil's lies. But you will put down the devil because you trust God. And that the devil will be under your feet and you will walk in constant victory in Jesus' name. God bless you. Thank you so much for your time. Are you looking to extend your faith in God? You're in the right place. This is a biblical and practical approach to God's words. Welcome to Be the Gospel with your host, Anthony T. Jarina. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Be the Gospel with your host, Anthony T. Jirina. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit BeTheGospel.com and on Facebook at BeTheGospelToday. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time on Be the Gospel.